Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Excited for our interview today with Andrew Lover with Farm Journal. Man, super, super glad to have you on here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for making the time to sit down and chat. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it means a lot to be able to share persp- some perspectives here. Yeah, man. I've, I've I've seen you for a long time now on like LinkedIn and the social medias and stuff like that keep popping up. I'm like, this guy's out there. He's moving and grooving. He's working in government relations. He's working a lot of different areas and making an impact as a young guy in the industry. So when, uh, when Zach brought you on, I was like, perfect. I'm excited because I've been following online for a long time. Yeah, I think uh, growing up in agriculture and then spending an entire career here uh, in agriculture, the opportunity to advocate and to um, carry forward with uh, a social purpose uh, drive and be intentional with that has really been um, an area of passion for me. Yeah, awesome. I love it, man. Well, so let's let's kick it off. What does it mean for you to be intentional? It's a great question. And as I reflect on that, I think about self-awareness. So first of all, being aware of your strengths and also those areas that you need to improve and then doing the best you can to determine what the goals are that you have for yourself and your organization, capitalizing on your strengths and then managing through the team, managing through the time that you have uh, to reach those goals. I think for me, as an example, uh, I would just point to some of the professional uh, journey that I've had along with the academic journey I've had. Uh, specifically, I knew early in my career I wanted to move around and have some experiences outside of my comfort zone, which for me is Iowa and, and agriculture in the, the Midwest. And so uh, having intentionally spent time working with some crop types that were totally out of my comfort zone, cotton and canola being two, uh, seeking those opportunities and then developing within that and applying it now today back in uh, some of the crops I'm most comfortable with has been uh, an important element. Yeah, that's cool. And so you guys farm as well, right? You're involved in the in the family operation. Yeah, that's correct. We do. We uh, we have a fifth generation family farm. My wife and I have a three year old and a one year old daughter as well. So we have a couple farm hers uh, here within the family. And uh, if they so choose, you know, someday they would they'd be the sixth to carry on the the family farm. And uh, it's certainly a, a good life and a great place to raise children, too. Yeah. Love the intention of that, man. That's great. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, over the course of your career, you've been with a few different organizations. You've worked in a few different places. You've been in some interesting situations, I'm sure. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people seems like right now are struggling to, to retain good talent. So I'm interested from 
as you look at yourself and others from your generation, what's what's been what is important today to young leaders as it pertains to retaining and sticking and staying with an organization? I think it's incredibly important to have a level of responsibility. So some uh, significant some significance to the role that you have that contributes to the mission of the organization and where the organization is headed. I think that this um, era we're in and and the generation uh, that's coming into the workplace or maybe is in the workplace for a decade is, is really looking to contribute. They're looking to make their mark. And there has to be an understanding and a realization that uh, individuals need experience to make significant decisions, but never underestimate the contributions that a individual just coming into the workplace can make through their new ideas, through their uh, thoughts that could be derived from some new technology that could be incorporated. Yeah. I think it, I think about how some of the farms um, that are in the area where we farm and those that I've worked with over time have been intentional about bringing young talent in and empowering them. And a lot of that has been through precision technology and incorporating that into the farm, which has then led them to develop more responsibility and helped succession planning. In many cases, I think you talk about being intentional succession planning in, in farms can be very difficult, but the more intentional you are about it, especially from a leadership standpoint, uh, from a primary decision maker perspective, uh, it certainly eases it. And so I think responsibility and having some empowerment behind um, the opportunities and a purpose, a social purpose, if you can marry a social purpose to the work, I think that's incredibly uh, important. And then um, I would I would say quite simply checking in. So checking in from the standpoint of how are you doing? That's just a simple question that could be asked. Uh, and then where would you like to go? Do you have goals that are beyond the role you're in today? How can we get you there? Um, you can't ask that question too often, I don't think. Now, an individual needs to be in a role for a while to get the experience to advance, but um, to be able to ask that question uh, and have some open dialogue, I think is incredibly important because I've seen scenarios um, in which individuals have moved on where um, I don't know that they necessarily had voiced that or felt like they had an opportunity to, to voice that. Yeah. How, how often do you think if you were just at ballpark it, how often is checking in need, need to happen? I'm, I'm always interested in that. It's a great, it's a great question. I, I have been fortunate to have um, a number of outstanding individuals that I've reported to over the years and have been on teams over the years. And I have found that asking that question, um, at least quarterly is an important one. You know, how's it going? Because again, a lot of work can be project-based and these can be projects that can last six months to a year to three years. And so asking that question at least quarterly is important. Um, and at least it opens up the opportunity for dialogue that cascades beyond just the professional uh, environment. You know, um, maybe the individual wants to share some exciting personal news or uh, uh, perhaps something that's been a little bit more challenging too. And so I think 
you know, that, that question is just one that should be asked quarterly. I have appreciated leaders that I've reported to through time that have provided one-on-ones weekly, which just really allow for a consistent cadence. There's at least one uh, opportunity or challenge that seems to arise weekly that then you can discuss with a manager in a weekly one-to-one. And uh, especially in the remote and virtual environment or even hybrid environment that we're in now, there's just not as much water cooler talk or uh, inability. You know, the open door policy is still the open door policy, but to me, it's more so become, you know, when when I call, uh, you know, I know that you're going to pick up the phone and we'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. The, when, when now the open door has, has become, you can pop into my zoom meeting, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> huddle. Yeah. Or, or a huddle. Um, yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I would receive it if one of my, one of my team members just popped into the zoom while I was making a podcast with someone. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there, know, there has to be, obviously there's boundaries, but you mentioned a really interesting word. I want to come back to this, right? The word was cadence. I talked about this with Courtney Van Scoy when I interviewed her, uh, from mm-hmm. Bear, <clears throat> and we talked about cadence. What's the cadence of your coaching? So, from a leadership standpoint, I'm always making, I'm always recommending to our coaching clients to develop a cadence for your coaching. So, how often? What is your your very intentional cadence? How often are you sitting down? Is it weekly? Is it quarterly? Is it every six months? Do you wait until you're forced to do a performance review? Right. I think that's really important. So, I was glad that you brought that up because. Uh, it, more people, I believe, need to hear that word and really take it to heart and say, okay, what is my intentional cadence for how often I sit down, on, either whether it's on the phone, in person, over lunch, wherever, with my people? I think it's an important consideration. I I completely agree with that. It's It's just like anything. Practice makes perfect. And when you're working um, in an environment where you do have that cadence, it's followed up with consistency, whether you, um, you know, uh, realize it or not, you're continually thinking about that forward looking connection. Okay, that's going to happen again. And I'm going to be prepared for it. Or I'm stuck right now. There's something that's really challenging me. I've got an opportunity. Uh, One of the, the elements that I think creates the greatest anxiety within professional life and personal life is uncertainty. It's just Mm -hmm. simply not knowing, right? And when you know that you're going to be able to connect with someone who has authority to make a change or support you, it's just very helpful. And I think it's even more important now in the remote environment that we're in that there's that opportunity there. Yeah. I think now that we're so remote, the intentionality of managers of leaders has to be probably even more right mm-hmm. because otherwise it's very easy for for most of us to start feeling like I'm out here in my home office on an island alone and when it's not going well nobody could possibly be screwing this up worse than I am <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> there's there's no uh looking over your shoulder or looking around the cubicle you know, to somebody else to kind of make a, a comparison or ask for some, some help. It, c- it can be relatively isolating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's important to be in conversation, any particular uh, tech tools, communication tools that you've been exposed to over time that have worked really well for you. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, actually I have really appreciated uh, utilizing Slack 
mm-hmm. uh, recently. So Slack really has cut down on the number of emails and keeps communication within chains um, for entire teams to work within. Um, so I've appreciated that platform. Uh, and then uh, Monday.com mm-hmm. too. Monday has been effective at at some uh, communication project management from from that standpoint but i will say the phone call should never be lost right because i still think there is so much value in in a phone call um and i've seen it time and time again uh where some some element of communication or important element is sent through text message and mm-hmm. it just does not carry the weight that it needs to. And yeah. early, early in my career, uh, there was a gentleman who was, who was experienced in his career. And he told me if there's ever a sensitive, ever a sensitive topic or a situation that you're in every time, pick the phone up and call them about it because Um, And that was really kind of at the outset of when we really all started texting a lot. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was at an important point in my career where I felt like he imparted that wisdom on me and it got me off to a good start in terms of those sensitive subjects. I am I am a big proponent of that, man. If it's if it's getting weird, if it's getting tense, it feels tense on your side, at least from the text message Mm -hmm. or the just pick up the phone, you know, yeah. I feel like we live in this world now where where people feel like they have to schedule a time to give a call in so many cases. And I get that. We want to be respectful of each other's time or you want to manage your time well. And so, you know, I'm 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 not always trying to give you a call when just whenever, but man, if it's within the team, like there's a there's a, a core group of people around me that mm-hmm. supports the business, key uh, key accounts, et cetera. And they know, like, listen, you you don't need an appointment, just call me. If I miss you. Right, you're yeah. important. I will call you back. Right, like yep. it shows me on my iPhone when I missed a call. Right, and if I'm wanting to talk to Andrew and Andrew calls me, I'm gonna call him back. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's right. Absolutely, yeah. so much that can get get in the way. So many, so many silly little stories that get in the way because of how we perceive the the all capital text message. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I know it's it's so yeah. true and. Um, I think we've become in some ways so scheduled, you know, in, in our, in our days. And so the the ability to have a call, um, you know, that's not necessarily virtual, but rather just audio, I think frees up your mind a little bit. Sometimes to be a little bit more, uh, intentional and creative, maybe in some of the things you're thinking about if you, if you zoned out virtually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So we talked about the cadence of, of coaching. We talked about a fair number of things around getting, getting young people plugged in. I mean, really mm-hmm. just being there, giving them and, you know, and, and a little bit of a career trajectory as well. Like, Hey, where, you know, where do you see yourself going? Where would you like to get going? You know, where would you like to end up? Great. How can I coach you at this level of the game to get you there? We're talking about technology. How do we communicate? Let's talk about culture for a little bit Mm -hmm. because I know that's, this is a big buzzword. A lot of people talk about it. I'm of the opinion. I don't think people do an intentional enough job of building it within organizations. I think people uh, are often doing this unintentionally, perhaps just flying by the Mm -hmm. seat of the pants, or they talked about it once at a strategic planning meeting. They said, this is the culture. They made it a poster, didn't really do anything about it. So what, um, what do you believe for, you know, for you, the organizations that you've been around, what's been important around building intentional culture? 
Oh, it's been really important for me. And and I've um, asked questions in, in previous scenarios when uh, coming into an organization too, or considering coming into an organization about the culture. It's a really important aspect to me. And I would anchor back to the family farm. I mean, the family farm is a, a 24 seven, you know, something could occur where you, you know, need to be there. And um, it's a reliance on other people to ultimately get the job done, get the crop planted and get it harvested. And so when it comes to the professional work, work, work culture, there needs to be a level of trust amongst colleagues. Uh, there needs to be a level of understanding of each other's strengths. Um, and and also just that you you know that you can count on each other to get the job done, especially when things get tough. You know, most of the time, hopefully things are going quite well. But I think culture is even more important when the seas get a little bit rocky. And so a few of the things that I've I've seen um, work especially well through time and have appreciated our our retreats. So taking time to get to know each other both socially and professionally as an entire as entire teams uh, in an environment that could be at a headquarters or it could be you know off site somewhere. Um, I do think and and it it could be something that um, most people have experienced by now uh, and some have not. But really getting an understanding of personalities. So if it's a personality assessment and truly understanding where are you in terms of the way that you perceive information, the way you like to communicate, uh, if someone is adverse to a, a certain type of communication or we just talked about the importance of phone calls, if someone really doesn't like to be texted information and in fact instead prefers phone calls or virtual calls or in-person handshakes, we need to know that, you know, to be able to be firing on all, all cylinders. And so, um, you know, the other element, too, that I think is important is um, understanding the mission. What What is the what is our progress to date? What have we achieved? But where are we going? Because if we if we've had some nice accomplishments recently, but we don't know where we're headed. I also think it's very challenging for people to buy in to the future because they don't really know what they're buying into. And so to have that mission uh, and to bring it up often, to talk about it often, it needs to be something that's uh, brought up and not just brought up once in a town hall or a big call. And, and you know, here's where we're headed now. And then nobody really brings it up again. It's not as effective as um, you know, really that cadence of here's where we're headed. How are we doing? Here's where we're headed. How are we doing? Um, and allowing for some empowerment through questions, et cetera. I think there are a few elements that have uh, have built a, a stronger culture. Well, and with your last point, you know, it really brings up an interesting, um, uh, I guess I'll call this kind of an, an interesting angle because often we think, well, if I say it once, Right. Or say it twice, like they should get it. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. They should know it. Like, and I think that becomes the assumption of busy leaders, maybe not necessarily intentional leaders, that we we think that they got, hey, we said it once, where I said, hey, this is how we're going to be. This is going to be the culture around here. And uh, and we think that people got it, but we didn't really continue to um preach that and and teach that. And somebody said on a podcast interview here a while back that culture is caught, not taught, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think you have to repeat it, right? You have to re be on repeat again and again 
talking about this culture and in in saying what it is and then and in our in our world we we look at the the development process whether it's personal professional development doesn't matter it always goes from awareness to embodiment mm-hmm. today we make them aware through training but that doesn't mean that's who they are now embodiment means that's now who they are you don't even think about it i was i was at an event the last couple of days a bunch of guys there from the midwest and uh, one guy was just talking about uh, how uh, somebody, uh, you know, they, it, was, it was kind of a muddy, maybe a muddy time and, you know, they had been pulling in and out of the driveway and obviously, or in and out of the field road. And obviously, you know, some mud gets on the, on the paved road. Right. Right. See that all the time, especially when it gets wet out. And so a, a neighbor comes along, just happens to be going down the road with his payloader. Mm-hmm. Right? And he slows down, sees what's there, drops his payloader down, scrapes it off, you know, and takes care of it and uh, gives, you know, gives the guy a call and just says, Hey, you know, I took care of this for you. You know, don't worry about it for later. And, and this, and my friend who was at the event, he said, that's what I love about the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Right. Such a and shining a, example. Right. Like that. Cause that's what happens. And there's no question, right. That is mm-hmm. the culture of Midwest agriculture. Right. It's just how we do out there. Maybe you don't get that in other parts of the country. Maybe you don't get that in you know, in other countries. I don't know. But I do know like if I was in Western Iowa, I would expect that to be a part of the culture. People just pitching in to help people without being asked. People not getting mad about it. Like I know that that certainly doesn't happen in my HOA out here. If there's a little <laughs> dog doo-doo. Somebody's going to take a picture of yeah. it and make a Facebook post, right? I'm like, how about you just go get a garbage bag and pick it up? Because that's what I do but I'm from the Midwest. (laughs) That's right. And I think a lot of that, I think about that often, especially in the, in the Midwest, um, you know, from, from early childhood, you hear about the, uh, the big dinners that were held, you know, in the farmhouse and, uh, during the threshing time, for example, there were uh, groups of, you know, 12 that would come in and have lunch and then go back out to the field and those weren't family members. They were all neighbors, right? It's a bunch of neighbors right. helping each other. And you see today during times of crisis still, you know, someone will uh, have an unfortunate medical event or pass away and you'll have 12 combines and, you know, 120 acre field, for example. So um, it's uh, it's definitely, definitely a significant aspect that's, I think, ingrained into agriculture and agribusiness. Yeah, absolutely. And so so that becomes the example of embodiment, right? That's what it mm-hmm. is. And so we go, go from awareness to embodiment. So, you know, I want to come back and just nail down the last point that you were making about culture. It's like it has to be spoken and it has to be reminded. Mm-hmm. And we have to 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 sort of preserve those tradi- traditions or new behaviors, if that's what the case may be, and recognize those, reward those, see those make sure that it gets talked about, you know, in it within the culture, because that's how it becomes real. It just becomes part of the legend, right. Of what this place is about. So cool. All right, man, talk to me a little bit about uh, your, your, your past over the course of your career. What's been a big hurdle that you've had to overcome personally uh, during, um, during your career? You know, I, um, I appreciate this question because I think there have been um a number of of times where there have been some challenges so the first 
The, I, I would cite a couple of them. So early in my career, I had an opportunity to work internationally and uh, was very fortunate for that opportunity early in my career. But there were 90 different countries that I could go to where corn was grown. Um, and I got the assignment and it was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, and I actually had to look up Saskatoon, Saskatchewan to understand, you know, where where I was headed. And I... I knew going into it that I would be helping to provide insights to farmers on growing corn and soybeans in in Canada. And so I was really looking forward to that because I knew about corn and soybeans um, and their production. But the crop acres that were there presently were both uh, wheat, canola, pulse crops. Well, I didn't really know anything about wheat, canola and pulse crops. And uh, similarly, just a bridge to a uh, time that I had in industry relations working in cotton. Uh, I had not worked with cotton either. And so I recall um, when I knew I had the, the, the cotton assignment, for example, uh, I bought a textbook because I thought I'm going to study up on cotton and I'm going to understand the technical aspects in case a farmer asks me on my, you know, first, first call, first foray into you know, a circumstance where a farmer's going to ask me something. And I went to that first cotton meeting and no one asked me any questions. I instead approached it with listening, you know, ears trying to understand. And so I, I take these two examples and blend them into one. A farmer is a farmer is a farmer. No one farmer is the same, but they all have similar goals and they all care about where they're headed and they likely have somebody helping them from a family perspective or a neighbor perspective and they want to talk about that and so asking them uh questions you know those needs i think that to me has been some of the most challenging professional circumstances has been being put into assignments where i knew nothing necessarily about the product but I thankfully knew the audience. And so I leveraged more so the audience to learn about the product and to understand the product further based on their needs. Um, and I think that's so important in the first 90 days in a role or the first six months in a role is to not rush out there and try to tell someone everything you know about the product that you're trying to sell them, but rather rush out there and try to understand what they need and then determine how the product can help solve that for them. Yeah. What a beautiful concept, right? Of just listening first. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's really yeah. hard to do, but yeah. the more you can do it, the more it'll reward you. You know, I this is a personal opinion, and I'm not going to say this is best practice or the only way to do it, because obviously if you're a, a, com a company that sells a product, you have to do product training to help your people become knowledgeable about what's being sold, right? And I almost think one of the first things we should be teaching people is just how to be great at asking questions, how to be yeah. great at being curious, because that is what really mm -hmm. opens people up. Even if you don't know anything, right? It's not, and yeah. what, what I see a lot of young, especially young salespeople doing is getting themselves backed into a corner or getting shut down unnecessarily because they went out there and tried to prove their product knowledge mm -hmm. or corn and soybean knowledge. 
uh, or their canola knowledge, but they only really know corn and soybeans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So. No. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I think from a professional perspective, you know, that's that, that was definitely been, as I look back, you know, on, um, on the years here to date, that has been one of the most important elements. The other, the other thing that I'd be remiss not to mention is about three years into my career, I dealt with a very tragic personal loss, Mm. very, very tragic, tragic personal loss. And I think about individuals in their careers, how that can really rock your world and your perspective. And especially when we're in outward facing industry relations, sales, leadership roles, it can be really hard to put on the face and, you know, be happy and really go to work. But I, I really derived a lot of inspiration at that point from, um, again, knowing your strengths, but two, understanding those who came before you, right? So I thought a lot about often about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, he lost his mother and his wife within three hours in the same house. And that, Mm. to me, you know, just understanding that and really grasping, you know, uh, and understanding the leaders that came before you and how they got over their biggest hurdles, you know, was important to me too. So I think just to answer your question from a personal, but also a professional standpoint, I would share those, those outlooks. There's, you know, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I learned things I didn't know. And I, yeah. did, and I even wrote a paper on Teddy Roosevelt. I remember when I was in high school, but I don't remember catching that fact. He lost his mother and his wife. His, his mother and his wife in the same house about three hours apart for separate medical issues. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. Wild. Yeah. And that was then when he went to North Dakota. So he decided he was a New York um, legislator at the time, young, like still in his 20s, I believe. And then he decided, I'm going to go out to North Dakota. And then that's when he went out to North Dakota, which really then inspired the whole entire national park system because he was inspired by uh, the West yeah. and all the beauty that it had to offer, et cetera. But uh, right. Um, yeah, really, really appreciated sort of obviously a tragic circumstance there, but like realizing those that came before you and accomplished great things, there's so much that we have to learn from them, you know? Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's a great way to frame up the, the question, which is, you know, what's been a big hurdle, you know, in your career. And so we, we deal with these things. We are very much humans, right. In mm-hmm. our role, not cogs in a machine, just, you know, doing a job. Right. I mean, yeah thing I would love that I think intentional leaders are are sensitive to is that your people have things going on inside and outside of work. And we have a professional yeah. obligation to show up and do the job well, to the, at least to the best of our ability. And, right, you know, you, maybe someone had a sick child last night and they were up, you know, or they've that's got, right. you know, that's that that's currently going through something or, or whatever I've, you know, I have a daughter with type one diabetes and that was especially early on in my career. This is now, you mm-hmm. know, 13 years ago that she was diagnosed, but that was a lot of stress because we were up every two hours around the clock checking her mm-hmm. blood sugar. And so yes. never really got a full night's sleep. So I was always tired and I really had to fight through, you know, some of those tough times. And I had a very understanding manager at the time who, who got mm-hmm. it. 
you know, it didn't excuse me from doing the job, but there's an understanding, right? If you're a little bit short, <laughs> when you're yeah, a tough time, exactly. Right? That's right. right. That's right. And I think that's where I'd, I'd uh, again, harken back to that earlier question. How's it going? You know, how are you doing? And it's not, it's not necessarily that you're asking them to provide a personal response, but it shows that you care, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're asking that. And I think in agriculture, it's especially important because sometimes you are, you know, managing a territory or you're isolated, you know, remotely but on a remote team like these are just uh simple you know elements that can be incorporated mm-hmm. yeah beautiful all right man i want to do a little speed round here as we kind of bring this in for uh for a landing here we've been having a great conversation and we're pushing up on our time so what um what, what book do you like in the in, in your world right now what's something you think people ought to be reading so one of the books that i've appreciated most through time um, is who moved my cheese? Because I think that no matter who you are, that's going to happen to you. And just understanding how, um, you know, we as humans react to change and perceive change and how change can provide growth too. how you can really grow through change. Um, I think, I think that's, you know, in, incredibly important as far as that is concerned. I'm going to throw another one out there that's a little bit probably dense, but I have really enjoyed recently reading through Lewis and Clark's journals. Um, what I have, and we're really going down a path here, but what I have appreciated most about them is that they were journeying through much of what we would now de- describe as like the Midwest and then some of the, you know, the West, of course, and um, how really it hasn't changed all that much. Like they they're talking about going up the Missouri River and how it wasn't clear, like the water wasn't completely clear. And that was because of a lot of decaying prairies and some of the prairie soils and things like that. And I think it's um, to me, I just think about being on this fifth generation farm and the water quality and the intersection with urban life, too. And so. Uh, to understand where we're headed, I've been trying to understand where we were, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, can't talk to Lewis and Clark, but at least reading their journals has been interesting, rather dense, but interesting. Yeah, no, that's really wise. I like it. What do you do to keep your energy up? Oh, I I would say uh, outside of coffee, uh, I <laughs> definitely spend time when I'm home. I try to be home. So when having a three-year-old and a one-year-old, I derive energy from them. I'm also an extrovert by nature. So if you put me in a gymnasium with a hundred other people, I would derive energy from that. If you put me in a gymnasium on a chair with nobody and lock the door, I would probably, I would have very low energy. And so for me, I also try to have identified um, in kind of the next like, 60 day intervals, like what's happening from a networking standpoint or where, you know, where might I be able to meet some new people or, or understand the industry at greater length and to more detail. So I would say identifying networking opportunities and sort of getting out of my comfort zone. uh, That's really important to me to, to do that, to stretch and grow. Um, And then also spending, spending time, uh, with, uh, with our young kids too. 
um, is, is also been helpful for me. Yeah. You know, it's a really interesting angle that I don't think anybody has taken yet, uh, Andrew, which is identify, like know your strengths, know what energizes you, know what lights you up, and then be intentional about making sure some of those activities are on your calendar. So even when you're going through yeah. some, some maybe desert times when you don't have as much of that, you know, there's something coming that's going to kind of reignite that fire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've found, I can't think of a conference that didn't give me at least, and you have to be intentional, right? I mean, it's got to be aligned with where you're headed, but at least a new relationship or a new idea, something mm-hmm. that was going to uh, provide greater impact related to work or uh, a purpose, you know, that you might really care about. Love it, man. Dude, this has been a really fun interview. It's been fun to uh, to learn from you today and and, and just kind of go back and forth on intentionality, culture, and retention. How do we engage young people in the workplace? Uh, you know, th- hurdles, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, I feel like we covered it all in about half an hour. So I uh, appreciate you being on here. Uh, thank you. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. And uh, to all the listeners, hopefully hopefully there was at least one element here that uh, will uh, will be helpful to you in your daily life. Heck yeah. Awesome. Thanks. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there was something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.